DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 7, we're going to make this intro quick for a few reasons. It's a very busy week here at Channel 1450. First things first, a big thank you to Northwestern Mutual for being the official sponsor of this podcast. It's never too early to start thinking about next summer. If you're a college student who's in the finance world or just interested in it, make sure you contact Northwestern Mutual early to set up your internship for next summer. Who better to work with than the best? You can intern right here in Springfield and learn everything you need to know about the real world at Northwestern Mutual. Next up, let's talk Channel 1450. Thank you to Springfield Clinic, United Community Bank, and the Green Family Stores for joining us for our second straight year as the title sponsor. We are looking for a fourth, so please reach out if you know a business that would be interested. Trust me when I say it's worth it. And if you don't believe me, take a few minutes to allow me to run you through a few of our numbers. Now, what's going on with us at Channel 1450 right now? Well, as of Wednesday evening, we've been to 15 football practices in the last three days. We have plans to hit five more high school football practices on Thursday to wrap up our pigskin preview tour and video shoots. We'll drop two a night until we're done. So far, up on the site, we've got SHG, Springfield High, MacArthur, Southeast, U High, and Williamsville. On Thursday, we will have Rochester and Stanford Olympia dropping. It's a very exciting week to get to see all the teams, but it's also very busy with some crazy long hours. Hopefully, Robert and Leanna aren't sick of my Casey's Gas Station stops or my podcast that I listen to while we cruise around Central Illinois. Speaking of podcasts, let's get to this week's guest because... All I have for you about next week is plenty more previews between football and then we'll get to soccer and volleyball for a few teams as time allows. Games start on August 22nd. First football game is August 25th in Pittsfield when Athens travels there. And then August 26th is the full slate of week one games featuring Leonard Bull. Playing in Leonard Bull, Rochester and SHG, of course. This week's guest is a Rochester graduate and a state champion running back. Drake Berberet has already gone on to do so many incredible things after high school that this conversation certainly warrants a listen. If you're a fan of the Illini Athletics, you'll love it. If you're a fan of sports science, you'll love it. If you're a fan of exercise science, you'll love it. Let's get into it with Drake Berberet. Another episode of The Download with DP. This week we got Drake Berberet coming in to talk about um, all things Rochester, all things fitness, all things training. Um, a good way to get started into the fall as we ramp up the, the fall sports season. Um, not only are you the owner of HPC, which we have a great relationship with, but uh, you have a lot of different business ventures, I think that's fair to say. So thanks for your time. I appreciate that, first of all. Um, we'll start with this. How's, how's your summer been? Do you, do you get to have a summer? Um, uh, thanks for having me on, first off, Derek. Uh, but yeah, the summer for me, it's probably the, the busiest time of the year. I uh, do a lot of traveling, going to conferences, different events, uh, a few that we went to this year, uh, went to the NFL Combine, NBA Summer League, uh, different performance, uh, sport, you know, conferences around the country, really. So we, we fly around, have a presence, meet the different sport coaches, um, sometimes athletes at these events, and really just, you know, let them know who we are, uh, sell our product to them, and, you know, just, you know, make a connection with them. So the summer, it's, it's very busy. And that's probably a good thing, right? I mean, you, you seem like a type of guy who would rather be busy than not have anything to do, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm probably at the point in the summer now where I'm ready to go, you know, go back home and kind of just chill. Yeah. I've probably been on, I don't know, 50 or 60 planes just <laughs> since, really since uh, probably the end of March. Yeah. So where's home at now for you? Where do you 
live? So I always say I, I live in Maine full time. That's okay. where my residence is. But I'm really in, in Springfield, Illinois a lot. Um, I'm probably back in Illinois every two months uh, for a long weekend or sometimes a week. And then, especially in the summer when I'm traveling back and forth, you know, if I go west or if I do go to the Midwest to see a client or for an event, I'll mm-hmm. try to stop home, uh, check on the gym. My staff, my family's still here. So, you know, hang out with them and, and spend some time because family is like the most important thing to me. How do you end up in Maine of all places? Yeah, so Maine is where the company that I work for full-time, uh, Hawking Dynamics, okay. that's where they're based out of. Yeah. Uh, they actually started in Boston, and then we moved, we kind of migrated the company up to Portland. Um, I was the first employee of that company, so outside of the founders, it was me, yeah. um, and I started part-time when I was with Illinois Basketball. Um, we actually, or Fletch found this, Adam Fletcher, the head strength coach for the basketball team, he found, he was looking for force plates, found Hawking Dynamics. At this point in time, Hawking Dynamics was like very, very small. Yeah. Um, I think the really, the only client they really had at that point was the St. Louis Blues. So somewhere, you know, I think it, it would have been in that fall, the Fletch had connected with Eric Renahan with St. Louis Blues, their strength coach. And he saw that he was using the plates, made that connection. Uh, Fletch bought the plates. He used them on the team for that fall. Um, I was in actually in grad school to get my master's at St. Ambrose at this time. Yeah. And, you know, we can go, you know, back before that. But I was in a team environment before I got my master's. Went back to get the master's. was like, hey, I need to get back in the team environment <laughs> yeah. around athletes on a day-to-day basis because, you know, the the, edu- the education, I was teaching courses, it wasn't as fulfilling as what I was doing before. Yeah. So I was trying to, you know, I was reaching out to all these coaches and trying to land a position and got connected with Fletch. So that's that's how I ended up joining the uh, Illinois staff. But I joined in the very end of December. So they had that whole fall that they were using these force plates. Yeah. Um, I had the experience with the technology at this time. It was like, it was a very novel technology. So um, the plates have been around for 40 years, but the application of it in the team setting was not a new thing. So... I had that experience. Uh, Fletch brought me in uh, as part of the staff and took all the data that they had, yeah. helped them draw meaning from it, and then you know we did that for two years. And I think, and I think personally, we did that you know better than anyone else, probably in, in the country, maybe the world. Yeah. At that point, at least getting the data from a point of, you know, hey, this is uh, collected the data. What does it mean? Uh, how can we use it? And then how can we prescribe better exercise selection and decisions in practice, training uh, for that individual athlete? So was there a moment in that process, like you said, that you you get on with that team that you were like, this is this is it. Like, this is my end. This is what I, I can see myself really doing. Yeah. So that was that was the weird part um, because so I actually got out of my undergrad about three years. And then I started my master's online as soon as I got out. But then I came back to UIS, was here for about six months, and then took an internship in Colorado, like a professional internship, while I was doing my master's. Did that for about six more months, came back to St. Ambrose. That's when we were, you know, teaching the courses and wasn't fulfilling for me. So I was kind of searching, you know, all my connections, trying to find a team to get with. Yeah. Um, I actually accepted a GA spot at Western with the baseball team Uh first. 
So I was you know, halfway through my master's, was going to drop out, transfer into Western. Uh, that coach actually took a position out at Temple with the football staff. And this happens all the time. Yeah, this is just like, that world. Know, yeah. Coaching world, things move around all the time. So I was like, well, it's no end of November at this point. I'm like, I'm kind of screwed because uh-huh. you know, I was thinking I was going to go the baseball route. And I actually had a connection with Fletch or with the Illinois basketball team, a really good one. Um, my cousin was actually, uh, he was a graduate assistant coach at the time. Okay. So reached out to him, said, hey, I've actually, I've been trying to reach out for Fletch for, yeah. I think, probably three years at this point. <laughs> so I, we laugh about this all the time. So we're good friends now. Um, he was just in Vegas with me at the, the NBA Summer League. Yeah. But, you know, I sent email, I sent probably like, three or four emails to Fletch like hey I'm, I'm Drake like yeah. I'd love to come and intern with you or learn from you blah 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 yeah. and you know he gets stuff like that on a daily basis yeah. so didn't hear back from him I think I texted him one time never heard back from him and then this time for whatever reason he responded back to my cousin was like hey have him come to shoot around like I'll hear him out Yeah. blah 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 and got there he said hey there, there's no job for you here but I'll listen to you. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we sat in the locker room. This was during shoot around before a game. So we sat in the locker room and just did the sales pitch like, hey, this is the value I think I can bring. And he offered me the job after that at, yeah. the, at the end of that conversation. So, um, point of the story is I, I'm real, I was really young at this point. So I'm still fairly young, but I was 22. So my dream was to be a basketball strength coach. And I was 22 got the spot with Fletch so then it was like alright we'll run this out for two years try to get really good at it um, find you know be ahead somewhere else but um, you know that was Big Ten basketball that's the highest level you can play at and it was like I was doing it at 22 to 24 so then you know at the end you're like of those, man I made it <laughs> well at the end of those two years it was kind of like alright well what's next you can try to go land your own team and yeah. do the head and, and run that program mm-hmm. Um, but I was also involved with Hawking Dynamics. So uh, I love the business side of everything. Um, you know, I got the gym here now. Before that, I had a power washing business for basically up until I left for Maine, kind of when I was still at Illinois. Yeah. Come back in the summer, power washing homes. So, you know, I understood marketing, sales, um, the industry of sports, and then this new field of sports science. Yeah. And that's everything that Hawking was. So I was like, well, uh, they want they wanted me to move out to Maine, do it full time. I actually interviewed at the University of Texas like two weeks before uh, COVID. Yeah. So COVID hit. Texas wasn't a thing anymore because COVID. Yeah. And then they were like, "What did hey. you interview for there?" Uh, it was so sports science, uh, basically like their sports science department. Okay. So I you, didn't know if you'd be working with Andrea there, or how would that like would that be in relation or? Um, so Texas is a unique university where they actually have a sports science department. Okay. And maybe for you know people that are listening, sports science is like a, a branch of performance where, and it, there's even branches of sports science where one is more applied and one is more research. But you essentially take in the training data, uh, the on-court, on-field data, and you work with the strength conditioning staff, the medical staff, to make sense of the data and help them create a plan of action. Yeah. So... Uh, typically, people that are sports scientists will have a master's. A lot of the times, a PhD. Um, I kind of just got in early enough where you know, learned I, what I, to do, yeah. I didn't need the PhD. Where it's kind of a prerequisite now at you yeah. know big colleges and uh, pro teams to have that PhD. But 
um, yeah, it's it's a very new field. It's on, I describe it a lot like how uh, sport nutrition was, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, um, I forget where I was going with that. The the opportunity at Texas, what would? Oh yeah, be? yeah. So uh, Texas is a, a university that you know, they have an entire department dedicated towards sports science. So I think now there's like a staff of five. At this point, it would have been number two. Um, and there's probably only like five universities that have that department now mm-hmm. um, where at every other school if they do have a sports scientist it falls under strength and conditioning or yeah. performance so okay. this would have been with all the teams so you would have it, it would have been a tough job because you're taking in all these data sources <laughs> yeah. and there's two of you that have to provide for 20 teams Man. on a, on a yeah. daily basis so systems become very important at that point uh, but that that's what that job would have entailed whereas at Illinois you know, I was really working under performance, and I was working only for men's and women's basketball. Yeah. So I had, you know, 16 guys, 16 girls, uh, Coach Fletch, and then his, his wife, Kylie, is the women's strength coach. So uh-huh. those are the two that I would report with, and then it would go up the chain to assistant coaches and, and Coach Underwood. Hmm. So Texas versus Maine, are you glad that it worked out the way that it did? You know, I love Austin, Texas. <laughs> um, I was actually supposed to be there uh, this last week, but... Um, Maine is really cool, and when I first heard that Hawkins was in Maine, I was like, "That I've never even thought about going to Maine." Yeah. You know what's out there? It's middle of nowhere, basically in Canada. Um, and it wasn't until I actually went out there, you know, visited, toured the coast. It, it's a beautiful place. Like it's uh, it's like a top ten destination for vacations in the summer and the fall. Mm-hmm. Everyone from like Boston, New York that area um, a lot of them have home like summer homes in maine there's beautiful lake region it's a lot like uh northern wisconsin minnesota yeah. you're also on the coast and then there's like a, a nice city vibe uh portland maine is it's i think it's the biggest city in maine it's yeah. like a, a mini boston is cool. how they describe it so how different would you say on a scale of one to five from rochester is it oh it's the most <laughs> different it could be um it's actually similar like the the vibe of the people are similar to like boulder Uh colorado and you could actually you could be on top of a mountain like a decent sized mountain in about an hour hour and a half from portland maine so kind of has that mountain town vibe but then you could also be on the coast to the lakes you know it's a beautiful place it's kind of a sales pitch for anyone that's listening (laughs) should definitely take a vacation there um so before we get started talking about like you, you getting into Hawken, I want to talk about you coming from Rochester. What did you want to do coming out of high school, and how did that path lead to, like we talked about, we kind of led into uh, you going to, mm-hmm. to Colorado and then back to Ambrose? Yeah, so I really learned, well, coming out of high school, I knew I wanted to be involved in athletics. Like I, I wanted to play college sports the highest level I could. Um with a scholarship so that was kind of my goal coming out of high school uh pt was is the obvious route like coming out of high school because you don't really know a lot of the options but you know that pts can work with athletes um so that is where i started college with was uh pre-pt and i realized very early on that you know i still wanted to be training athletes at the end of this you know journey of becoming a physical therapist so you know why not just go be a strength coach and just work with them from the beginning yeah so um and it's i would say a lot of 
exercise science kinesiology students in college don't even really know that a strength coach is a career path. So I probably really didn't learn that this was an option until like two years into college. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of when I, I started looking for internships, um, trying to learn more about this space. And, and one thing, I was actually really lucky to uh, work with Rico at ER Fitness, uh-huh. um, basically from like 17, age 17. And, you know, in the summers of college, I'd come back, help him out. So I knew what the space was. I just didn't know it was an actual career. So I started moving that direction. Um, that's when I came back to UIS, did that internship. And then I actually connected with a guy by the name of Max Schmarzo. Um, he was working out at this place in Inglewood, Colorado. Um, he he just got there. He came from Stanford, where he was a, a sports scientist. And uh, it was a private facility. We trained. It was it was like one of the, it's one of the nicest facilities that you could you could train at as like a professional athlete. Um, they have every single piece of technology under the sun in regards to sports science. They had we were connected to a functional medicine clinic, a neurosurgeon or neurosurgery clinic. So the guys that actually owned the facility were uh, they were the neurosurgeon for the Olympics, the Nuggets, I believe, and the Broncos. Yeah. Maybe not the Nuggets, the Broncos and the Olympics. So they owned it. They practiced out of that facility. Um, they did the functional medicine, all the blood work, and then we took in all the information from that assessment and we prescribed uh, movement and training plans for them. And then on the sports science piece, we monitored all of it to see if it was actually working for that person. Yeah. So. And you're learning this stuff at the age of like, what, 20, 20? Yeah, 21, yeah. 20, 21 yeah. at this point. Um, and like, I, I got thrown into the fire, but it was the best experience because yeah. at that time, sports science was so new that uh, the only way you really had access to it was if you went to one of the few uh, masters or PhD programs in the country that had this sports science degree, which was like few and far between, it still is. If you, or if you were at like an Olympic training center, or if you were overseas, because like historically, especially like in the NFL, the MLS, they've hired a bunch of like people from England and Australia because those universities have it set up. You know, they they teach people sports science from you know undergrad. You can yeah. get an undergrad degree in that. So. Americans are way behind the game, but if you weren't American and you, you know, were one of these places, then you could learn the skills. So, by coincidence, it, it happened that I messaged this guy. He said yes, moved out there, um, pretty fully funded my way to go out there and do this. But um, access to force plates, which is what we now sell at Hawken, mm-hmm. um, every other piece of tech. But we got to work with like the elite of the elite athletes um like not to name drop but like peyton manning worked out there three times a week so for the whole summer and a a little after the summer you know i'd see peyton manning in there training see all his data everything would come in um help the the trainers make better decisions um von meller worked out there christian mccaffrey uh carl anthony towns came in for a session um we had mma group and it's cool because the MMA group that we had, they were really up and coming at the time. Mm-hmm. They we didn't really know their names, yeah. But now they're like actual, they're good fighters. So yeah. like Justin Gaethje is uh-huh. probably the biggest one that that we had. Uh, Drew Dober, Neil Magny, Curtis Blades, like uh, some of those guys are you know actually pretty good fighters now. Yeah. So it's cool to see that. 
Uh, but we were working with them three times a week, every week. They'd come in a little early for their session. Uh, we'd do what they call like readiness testing. Yeah. So jump on the plates, get on the treadmill, check your heart rate, resting heart rate, hand grip, um, wellness questionnaires, and give you know pretty much try to determine what their current state is. Yeah. On that day, because like we know. You know, as like normal people, we wake up and we feel different every day. Like yeah. Some days we feel really good or ready to go into work and have a day. You know, maybe after a long weekend, we wake up on a Monday and we kind of want to start our Monday <laughs> a little slower. So it's the same thing for athletes. Like they have to wake up and, and work and train and prepare every day. Some days they're going to do it better than others. So as sports scientists, we're trying to find in that day where they're at, give that information to the person that's training them or the coach. Um, but then also assessing trends and making sure they're not, you know, have too many bad days in a row and tanking, because then that would be could be a major setback. Yeah, could get sick if you you tank for long yeah. enough. So we're identifying that um, so that they can have better programs. So did that out there, um, yeah, and that was you know that that was the experience that probably set me up for you know Coach Fletcher taking a chance on me. Yeah, now. when. Like you just mentioned, I mean, Peyton Manning, Von Miller, those type of names, those type of athletes, when you see, I mean, the best in the world and you're dealing with that sort of stuff, does it just, like, click in your head, like, this is awesome, like, this is what I want to do and I'm so, like, not not necessarily lucky, but this is it, like, I figured it out. Like, you had to have that kind of go off in your head. Yeah, it, it was weird at first. Um, I remember, like, the first, I was walking down the hallway one day, this was probably, like, three weeks in. And I walked past a guy in a hoodie, and we also trained, like, there was some, some wealthier families that sent their kids there, um, some business executives that sent themselves, family members there. So we had general population in there as well. So I walked past this guy in the hallway, kind of just like, I'm, I'm in work mode, so I'm kind of like, hi, and just walked by. And he had a hoodie on, so he couldn't really recognize him. But then go do my thing, come back in. He's in the training space warming up, has his hoodie off, absolutely jacked. And it was Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And I was like, like, I was a running back in high school. <laughs> right. And, like, we're kind of, he was a little bit older, but, you know, I always, like, looked at him, looked at his stats, saw how he was playing. Uh-huh. And then it was, like, a moment of, like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, that that guy's jacked. Yeah. Like, he's, he's a different different breed. Yeah. Um, super fast, quick, really strong. Um, there, there was a few moments like that definitely early on, like uh-huh. a, a wow moment. But then, at some point, you realize, like, hey, this is, like, their place of work. They're here to get stuff done. Yeah. You're here to assist them. Like, it's not professional to be, like, have that wow moment and ooh and ah. And yeah. They're just there to work, and they want they want people that are just there to, you know, help them. And people that ask them for stuff, autographs, gear, tickets, like, those people tend to not last in this yeah. space. Like, you yeah. just have to, you have to respect that and... Um, you know, just go in there and help them the best you can. And as a kid from Rochester who, like you said, I mean, you played football, so I had to just be like, dude, I would just want to take a picture of you or whatever, like, you know. But at the same time, you got that and you understood, like, this is my career too. Like, I can't mess this up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the wild moment did happen, and, like, that's why I definitely remember that story. Um, But... And even that that moment, that experience really helped me going into Illinois. Yeah, for because, sure. You know, like, Those guys are rock stars. Like. Yeah, and it's <laughs> Illinois basketball, and I grew up watching Illinois basketball and, um, you know, like the Deep Brown era and all of that. Um, so, huge Illinois fan. 
but going in I just had to take the same approach of like you know I'm there to do a job support these guys and and the performance piece of what they do is just a small piece like yeah. we're we're there to keep them healthy feeling good and getting stronger in the off season even in season when we can um, we're not there to you know add any element of stress or extra work to their life because at the end of the day they have to go and practice and get better at their sport yeah we're just there to support that um, so yeah I think and I was in a good spot when I got to Illinois and that was something Fletch you know said early on like hey like don't like don't do any of that <laughs> yeah. and I was like you know I knew in the back of my head like don't worry about it like yeah. you know I kind of I've been there um, but yeah, probably the safe thing to say for someone new coming in. Uh-huh. So once you get that opportunity to work with Illinois, like you said, that teaches you everything you need to know, kind of. Um, what were the opportunities that you were looking into? Like, okay, what's next? Like you said, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then how did you make that decision? Yeah. Um, you mean like after Illinois going yeah. to... Uh-huh. So, you know, th- my first year at Illinois, I actually... There was a few job opportunities, and I almost left after, like, I think it was five or six months. A um, few smaller Division One schools that, because, so Coach Flush, backtrack a little bit. He's like the most well-respected strength coach in the country, uh, most connected. You know, there's NBA teams that are knocking down his door to come work for them. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you've worked for Flush, he's only had two people work for him ever. And it's it a good treat to work. Well, three people, I <laughs> yeah. think. So one's his wife. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, the second is Brady Welsh, and he is now the director of basketball performance in Kentucky. And then the third was me. Yeah. So I, I got in there because the connection and then just happened to have the skills that he was looking for. So um, I actually I had a couple job offers, like, you know, four, six months after I started there. So, you know, I talked with Fletch a lot. He's a really good mentor. Um, we just said, hey, we're we're going to be a lot better next year, some better opportunities, because you know we won eight games the first year and then we won like twenty four yeah. the next year. So it was two very different seasons, um, lots of struggles, and like the second season, it was way much more. It was more fun. Everything's more fun when you're winning. So and it's easier for them to trust you and believe in you when they're winning, right? I mean, in terms of what you're doing, yeah, like they can see the results, but at the same time, the results have to equal wins in order for it to be successful in, in college sports. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that that ne- doesn't necessarily get thrown back on performance as much as maybe the sports side. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like, you know, they want to be good and win at their sport, but if they're getting stronger, they're more cut, they feel better when they're playing, uh-huh. like, they're going to be happy with performance. Yeah. And, and honestly, a lot of the times, performance staff does take on um, more of, like, not, not that they're psychologists, but, like, you do take in a lot from the athlete if an athlete needs help, we probably spend the most time with the athletes out of any of the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of the person or the, the group of people that they lean on to, yeah. you know, talk and vent. Um, there's actually a lot more that a performance coach does in that setting than just, you know, train a couple hours a day. Yeah. Like it's, it's 8, 10, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day um, supporting those guys. So... Um, Lost my train. My train of thought. There. Yeah, I have so many different ways we can go here. So uh, whichever way you want to go, but um, just the like you said that we can go into the direction of eight to twenty-four wins. When that happens, like you said, and then you also have so many different opportunities. Yeah. It's got to be like, oh, this is an awesome job, but I can see the potential of growth. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, the growth after that that year of winning 24 games would have been uh, doing the interview process that whole summer, trying to land a, a head strength conditioning job uh, with the Division One basketball team. Like that, that would have been the goal, um, and that that was what I would have pushed for, um, unless it was like NBA job, sports science, because something of that nature I would have you know been pushing for as well. Um, but this was the COVID year too. Yeah. So we were actually, we just went to the Big uh, Big Ten Tourney in Indy. We were practicing at, at Butler Stadium. Flesh and I are sitting in the bleachers with some of our video guys because, you know, we're just hanging out during practice, mm-hmm. kind of monitoring stuff and, and watching. And we get the notification that Big Ten Tournament just been canceled. So we're sitting in the bleachers. We know that it's it's over. It's canceled. And team's still out practicing, doing their thing. Finally, word gets around. Season's over. Uh, Coach Underwood calls everyone in, tells them the deal. Um, we pack, we you know go back to our hotel, pack all our stuff up. We'd been there for like not even 24 hours. Had dinner the night before, and that was it. And drive back to Champaign. And I actually rode back with one of the assistants, but on the way back, the entire season got canceled. Yeah. So then you know we we started that drive home with all right. We still have. We still go to the tournament. You know, we were going to make it that year. Mm-hmm. It would have been the first year in a long time. Yeah. We had really good hopes going in, um, and then everything was just canceled. So then we get back. You know, guys are crying. Like seniors are crying. It was a really tough moment to like be a part of. Um, but then you know everything was over. So the guys that were going to the draft, like they were pretty much done at that point. That was the last time we saw them in person. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of them went home because like school shut down. Uh, they locked the facility, said, hey, no one's allowed in the facility anymore. So, you know, I'm in Champaign and can't go to work, can't really do anything around the town because everything shut down. Yeah. So I actually came back here to be with my family during that time. So uh, it just happened that Hawking, you know, early in that season, they were like, hey, at the end of this season, it'd be cool if you came out. At this point, I still wanted to be a coach, but really just thought about it in that early part of the summer and determined that going to join Hawking Dynamics full-time was probably the best move Yeah. Um, at this point. Because who knows when stuff starts again. Like. Yeah, and and even, like, I, I get to work with, you know, every coach. Like, I work with almost every college and professional team now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, connections is a huge piece of this industry. You have to have the skill set, but also the ability to get in there. Yeah. So at this point in time, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'll do this for a little bit. I don't know how long I would want to do it for. Um, but it doesn't but have I, to learn. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, you know, I'll get really good at it. The sports science with force plates is a new emerging uh, part of this industry. And I'll talk to every single college coach and professional coach in the country. So just making all those connections. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I decided to go, you know, join Hawking full time. So now that you've done that, how good of a decision was, was that looking back now? Yeah, it's <laughs> it was a very good decision. Like, I, I don't regret that one bit. It is a grind because it, it is a startup. Um, that makes it fun because I, I was the first employee. There was two co-founders. The brother of one of the co-founders was the third, but he you know he was he was kind of a founder there early on. Um, I was the first one from the outside, so you just get thrown into the fire and it's like figure this out and yeah. figure everything else out. And as we had new customers and it keeps coming, like you just adapt. So. You know, I, I do, I'll do the mar- I do marketing, a lot of the sales, all the sports science up until like a couple of months ago, 
um, customer support, the commerce is flying around. It's a lot of different jobs that, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, with a bigger organization, there would really, you know, there's there'd be about ten guys doing it within yeah. each different department. Yeah. So we we only had you know two people doing sales for like the first year and a half, two years. It was me and the CEO. So there would be some days where we demo like over Zoom, and we we did that before yeah. even COVID was a thing. So had that down, but you know we'd run like we'd pretty much be on Zoom for like twelve hours a day. Just like people all around the world, you know, some people speak in different languages. Yeah. We're on the video camera, showing them the place, trying to communicate with them. Yeah. Um, and slowly, you just start gaining momentum. Uh, you know, with the marketing, marketing and sales kind of play hand in hand, um, at least in this field. So, all the questions that people were asking us in these demos, I would just feed them back into marketing, work with our developers, um, help make our software better market that it is better than our, some of the competitors that we have. Um, it's solving problems that they're asking about. So, yeah, that's, that's what we've been doing for the last two years, moving full-time. Yeah. And we're, we're at the point now where we're in 30, we were in 31 countries around the world last year. Uh, we opened up a subsidiary in Australia. We're opening one up in England. Um, we had over a million tests collected on our force plates wow. throughout the world. Yeah. Um, we're in, you know, all the major conferences, major leagues. We got invited out to the NBA Summer League by the NBA. Yeah. So, like, we're growing quick. I think we're, we're a team of 18 to 20 right now. Yeah. And we really kind of grow every day at this point. Did you think two years ago, that first week when you got there and you're the first employee, that in a matter of two years you would be at the NFL Combine and, and doing getting calls from the NBA? Um. I mean that's that's the goal. Like, yeah. That's that's why you start anything <laughs> or join anything to get to that point. Um, but no, I mean it, it's been a whirlwind since you know really we started. Nothing nothing stopped. It just keeps going, and um, you know you just have to you really have to adapt. Uh, that's the biggest thing. And, and you know even we talk about like going back to being an athlete in high school and college. Like I think you know people that are athletes and you know do it for a while that. Being an athlete teaches you how to adapt to different circumstances. You know, a good coach makes you adapt all the time. And deal um, with adversity. And adversity. With, yeah, yeah. When things don't go your way. Um, so that that really helped prepare. Being an athlete helped prepare me for this environment yeah. where, you know, some days you get no calls. Some days you get 50 calls. Some days you get calls at 10 o'clock at night when you don't really want to talk on the phone. Yeah. But, you know, you're a small company and every single call matters at that point. So you, you take the phone call hope that it leads to a sale um, and then you know it's, it is a grind but at some point you, you know like think about my time I always think about like Rochester like you know we practice the whole summer in hopes that we win a state championship like you have an end goal there's something on the horizon so same way with a startup it's make it work iterate it add some more people make it work a little better it's just like this this process over and oh, over and again all of a sudden in five years what the NFL says we're yeah, <laughs> if someone wants to buy it or, you know, we just keep growing and yeah. then build out the team a little more. Um, and then you have less responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You just have to you kind of oversee it, but you're not doing all the day-to-day tasks, yeah. you know, all day. But, yeah, I mean, the, the end goal, it would be great if someone did want to buy. But, um, you know, that's not what we set out to do. We set out to build a product to solve the problem for people in performance, uh, coaches, rehab, we sell to the military as well, yeah. so like we have all the major branches. Um, I've spent time down in uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, mm-hmm. 
uh, spent time with some Navy. We have got some Navy SEALs, not not SEAL Team Six, but uh, <laughs> some of the other different ones. So it's been really cool. Like talk to very unique people on a daily basis. Uh, Circus Olay. Like yeah. it's not just at like you know the traditional athletes that we watch on TV that are using this technology. Yeah. It's a lot more diverse than that. Okay, so force plates. How do you explain what that is mm. to someone who probably has no idea? Yeah, so uh, force plates, the technology itself has actually been around for 40 years, and it's you really only had access to it in, at a university um, or the Olympic Training Center, stuff like that. But the problem with it historically is you know, you would use these things called force plate athletes, people would jump on them, but there was no way of getting the data back quickly. You would have to, you really had to have a biomechanist with you or someone that could write code, look at uh, MATLAB or something that was super cumbersome to even draw meaning of this is what the athlete did. So we took that whole process and we basically condensed it into two minutes where historically... Like, it would take at least a day to process all of that data, bring it back. Hey, this was this was a good movement. This was a bad movement. Um, put more force through their left foot, their right foot, you know, more power, less power. Um, so we just condense all that time down, um, build a software associated with it so we have a development team. And, you know, they're, they're really good. So um, we just took the industry knowledge. They built it into the app. We made our force plates wireless so they could be transported anywhere with the coach so like universal Illinois travels with them to every game we have a lot of people that you know take them on the plane uh cross overseas wherever they need to be uh we actually had a a military group that tested on the side of a mountain yeah for like an entire week and then all the data got saved yeah and then it went back into the saves in the cloud so up in the (laughs) Up there, invisible, yeah. yeah, somewhere. <laughs> but then it comes back on their computer, and they can they can process it later on. Um, yeah, so that that's the problem that we solved. But a force plate itself, like if you look at a picture of it, it's two plates, um, and there's a cable that connects them in the middle. And we basically will we'll give someone uh, feedback on is this athlete putting more force, or you know, you could think of it as more strength on their left side or their right side. Very basically. So that would be like a, a risk identification. It can tell you, do they land heavy? Do they land soft? If they land really heavy, stiff leg could be risk identification. Are, yeah. are they at risk of possible injury? Um, it also it tells you a lot more than that. Like in one second time of, of an athlete jumping, squatting, uh, lifting, moving on the plate, it'll collect a thousand data points. So a typical jump, which is what you'll see people do on force plates the most often, that's about four seconds. So there's 4,000 data points being collected in that time. And then we report uh, metrics like uh, jump height, power, velocity, um, how far they traveled in the jump back to the coach on their, on their phone mm-hmm. or tablet. And we'll report, I think we're up to like 85 things on one jump now. So... It's really a process of, you know, filtering all that information down for a coach, uh, but we're just getting it to them quickly. And then our support people are sports scientists that we bring on staff. They're actually helping a coach make sense of it. Yeah. So when the University of Illinois basketball team 
has or is working with force plates what would you say that they how often are they on those every week like what is the mm. daily like schedule for that or how does that mm-hmm. so uh we talked about the history of plates but then they kind of trickled their way into the sporting world um and people would test on them a few times a year like that was kind of the standard yeah um it got a little better a few people were doing it you know once a month once a week flush really got me locked into this early on he said we're going to test every single day we have the guys so it was a much different approach and you know when he said that in the beginning i was kind of just like yeah sure like let's do it because you know i i just got in there this is your show uh we'll do it what you say so that's what we did and very quickly it made me realize that like this is really the only way it should be done yeah because you think about like a heart rate monitor people don't if you wear an apple watch or something like that you don't wear it you don't wear it once a month you don't wear it once a week you don't wear it every other day you wear it every day so you wonder how many steps you had you want to know what your heart rate is you know at this point of the day at the end of the day tracking your sleep you want to see how much you slept the same way with movement like you don't just want to get a snapshot every month or every week you want to track movement on a daily basis or as frequently as possible so that you can have a better understanding you know, we talked about earlier of the current state of that athlete on that day so that it can help the coach make a better decision. So that's really all, and it, taking a, a bird's eye or way back view of what Hawking Dynamics is, is we're trying to, we're giving confidence to the coach, to the user, and making a better decision. So when, say they come in for practice on a Monday, do they start by taking their turn on the force plate or how does that work? Yeah, so you really want to get the athlete warmed up before they get on the force plate. Um, you want them feeling good. So, you know, let's say it's Monday morning after a weekend game. Um, come in at probably like 6.45. They'll have like a – we did these uh, like a collagen shot on a pre like a pre-workout. It's not like a pre-workout that, you know, you see at GNC or anything like that. It's like a, it's a homemade pre-workout that the nutritionist whipped up has like vitamin C in it, collagen, uh, some UCAN, which is like a carbohydrate powder, really healthy stuff. It's yeah. not, um, you know, you can get a lot of garbage and pretty much like a protein energy. Raw. Yeah. yeah. You have to be really careful about that. <laughs> um, that's my, 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 uh, master's in nutrition. So that's, that was my first love. But anyway, come in, have that little shake, come in the weight room. Uh, we'll put them through a dynamic warm up. Um, and, and it actually funnels in a circle the way the weight room is laid out mm-hmm. uh, at the Illinois basketball. Um, after that, we'll do a pre-lift. So a pre-lift is basically, you know, for us, it's like it's two exercises. So we'll take half the team on the court because the weight room is right by the court, and then half the team will stay in the weight room. So might be like some kettlebell swings, kettlebell circuit, and then they might be out with me on the court doing like med ball throws up in the air yeah. or with a partner side to side. Um, some days it's band work, other days it's mobility. It's that's the pre lift section. At this point, we're probably like ten to twelve minutes into the workout. Um, then we bring them all back into the weight room, and all basically they'll start their their warm up sets of their main lift for the day. So the main lift is usually like the most taxing thing. So let's say it's like a heavy squat day. Then they'll start doing their warm-up sets for that squat, and I'll pick off guys as they're warming up to do the jump. Okay. So like we said, it's very quick. Um, I said two minutes earlier, but realistically, you could probably jump a guy if you're you're good at the tablet and 
15 Which seconds. Which is pretty good at this point. So because, yeah, yeah, you know, you we, can, we test yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, you know, 15 seconds, you want them to do it twice. So let's say like 30 seconds for a guy to go. So you bring two or three over at a time. You do three of them in a minute 30, and there's 16 guys. So it really only takes, you know, I don't know, six minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, yeah. to test the whole team, and then you just get right into the workout. Like nothing, it's not like this big testing period, yeah. or it's not really this big thing that takes away from what we were already doing. Mm-hmm. It's really just embedded in the process. Yeah. At this point. So then once that you get everybody jumped, they finish their workout, do you have to go then look at all that data, or how does that? Yeah, so uh, Hawken was the first to do this, but it's presented on a phone or a tablet. So you actually stand in front of the force plate with it in your hand. You hit play, they jump, and there's a flagging system built in. So it'll say red, yellow, green. Um, were they better today, worse today? You know, no change. And all the metrics will be presented, but you can filter it down. So like we'd look at really like three to five on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. One would be kind of our, our KPI. It'd be key performance indicator. So is that high or low for the day? Yes or no, or no change? get percent difference and then there's supporting metrics those supporting metrics will tell you hey did this take longer uh, for them to jump or did they do it quicker today did they put more force through their left limb or their right limb so say they come in after a game and they're way more on their right could have gotten you know chopped in that left leg so they're heavily favoring the right so we're really using that to diagnose hey do we need to have a conversation Mm -hmm get them to athletic training. And that's immediately in your immediately, yeah. before they even finish their workout. Yeah, so let's say like, you know, whatever player comes in and I see on the tablet that they're way more on the right side that day, I'll say, hey, jump again because I want to consistently see them produce that highest symmetry twice because yeah. I want to have confidence that if I'm reporting this to, you know, the athletic trainer that I'm not wasting their time too. Yeah. So say they jump twice, super high symmetry, way more than what their normal is. I'll say something with Fletch, we'll decide, hey, are we going to modify this guy's workout today? Yeah. Sometimes we will. Sometimes it might not be high enough or we know there, we know what the reason is, why yeah. it's different. Sometimes we will just send them to athletic training, sports yeah. med, and they just go in and get treatment because yeah. we're, we're supposed to be practicing at the end of the workout. Yeah. So, and then sometimes that guy might not practice because they're in such a bad spot. Like, we don't want to put them into practice at a compromised uh, spot because then that increases risk of injury. Yeah. You know, like we're in performance sports science, we're not saying we're going to eliminate injury. Yeah. Like some people get that perception that <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. But like in sport, it's so chaotic and uncontrolled. Like you can never guarantee that. You can just put, you can strengthen athletes. You can put them in a bunch of different positions that they might see in their sport in hopes that they don't go play their sport and get injured. So. That's the job of the performance staff. So, you know, that's how we train them, but we also want to identify when something changed a lot. So that was this process. And you could, you know, with Hawk and Dynamics, you could actually get that on the fly. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I have a lot of questions, but I've already taken up a ton of your time. So I want to jump to just uh, HPC. Mm-hmm. And you you have a ton of different focuses, but this is obviously one uh, that you like because it's here in in town with with Rochester and then um, just the opportunity to have Rochester football training with HPC now first question is how much better of a football player would you have been in high school if this opportunity was available to you when you were 15 years old 
Uh, probably like Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> now, uh, I do know that, that Christian McCaffrey did train, uh, you know, in an organized with a gym at a facility from like very early on age. So um, he was really fast. You know, I'm not saying that's why genetics obviously play a lot in that, like his parents were studs, but, you know, he did have that training and that development from a very early age. And that put him in a much better spot when he did get to high school, college pros. You know, he knew the technique, he had the foundation, all the movement patterns, and, you know, he's a he's an all-pro right now. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, the opportunity to open up this gym or purchase it and then kind of rebrand it into what it is now, um, you know, I, I didn't think I would do it already, like at this point in my life, but it was a good opportunity, and I really wanted to give back to this area. You know, my family's still here. Yeah. Really good relationship with Coach Leonard. Um, a lot of other you know coaches and people in the CSA and really this community, all the all the leagues. So um, really, just wanted to give them a spot with organized training. We want like, we want to hire uh, college people with college experience training those athletes here at HPC because we want to give them that same experience and it's something they can expect um, when they do reach that next level if that is their goal. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the athletes that we have in here. You know, right now they do have aspirations to move on. So that's why everything that we do here is done in a, a small group environment. You know, it's just like we talked about before, that's how you train when you get to college. Mm-hmm. Um, each program is different, and we'll do assessments to identify what they need. Um, but that fun, competitive environment is really what drives, you know, results. So that's what we try to do, and, and that's what we preach here. Yeah, and I mean, not to be a sales pitch, but this kind of is, like the opportunity that you have and the knowledge you have to put into this gym and have, like you said, the space here in Springfield when, I mean, obviously, the Springfield area market for high school sports, college sports, youth sports is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a gift that you are that you can help give back to these people to where that opportunity isn't, isn't just mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, and I think I need to get back to your, your question of how much, you know, would it have been made a difference? Yeah. And, um, I think so. It definitely would have. I think, you know, I started teaching myself how to be, how to understand training and these principles early on because that wasn't there. Where now what we're trying to provide is we do give an education element. So we're trying to, I had to filter through all the garbage and like, you know, trial and error of different philosophies where now we can help the athlete understand what is better. This is the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it definitely would have helped me personally. Um, but back to, you know, Springfield, Illinois, this area, it's a powerhouse of high school sports. Like there, there's so many good athletes come out of here. The community revolves around high school athletics and and you guys do a great job at 1450 of covering all that, um, and and just amplify it even more. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, you know, providing this resource to all of those athletes, um, that's really what the purpose of this gym is. And there is good trainers in Springfield. Like I respect every trainer that's in this area. And yeah. I think there's people that do a good job, but we're trying to, we want to do it differently. And we want to bring that college, you know, professional element of what we do into this space. Yeah. Um, so with all the opportunities and all the things that you have your hands in right now, do you have a, a five year plan, a 10 year plan of what you hope to accomplish with your, not only your career, but with, the, the business that you're involved in with the gym that you're involved in? Um, yeah, there's, and I read a lot of books and I, I wouldn't say there's like a, a concrete five, 10 year plan. Yeah. Um, I do always want to be involved in training athletes and sports, but also business. Like 
there's a huge commercial side to performance now, um, and that's kind of the side that I'm on. But I, I'm always torn between, you know, like, I really enjoy training athletes still. Mm -hmm. So I like bouncing around between the two. Yeah. Um, I don't like doing one thing for very long. Like, I, I always like to have my hand in different stuff. Yeah. I think it, it helps accelerate, like, the learning process for me. Um, just if I see different fields, different industries, and how they all connect. Um, so no, you know, concrete five or ten year plan, but there's an A, B, C, D yeah. of you know the next yeah. this year, the next couple of years, and down and I also line. think it'd be hard to say here's my ten year plan in this science in this business because in the last ten years you've seen how much it's changed or it changes every year and how much it's grown mm -hmm. and the opportunities in you know sports science and just the knowledge that that teams have if they can use that it's only going to help things like 15 years ago we had brick phones that yeah. couldn't do anything and now you can literally have all that technology on your wrist so true. to have that opportunity you have to just be like you know like you said take in as much knowledge as you can and apply that to all the different opportunities that you have yeah I mean it changes so quickly and college sports pro sports is a massive business so trillions, you know, trillions yeah. of dollars so there's there's a lot of money in it and things change quickly new people get hired all the time to fill roles that did not exist you know last year mm -hmm. um like you see that happening in the nfl right now um the nba is even they're hiring a third assistant for all the teams and it will be more of like a sports science oriented yeah. role um so you know there's a lot of money being thrown towards that i think we're still very much we're not even at the peak of this initiative of like using data sports science for athletes um but you know people that have the money and do make those decisions of what to do with it are acknowledging it as like a, a very important piece of that process thanks to drake for his time he's a busy man so i appreciate him sitting down and trying to explain to a dummy like me what he does and how he's going to change the sports world. Excited for his future and happy to have him on when we did. If you're also interested, make sure you check out High Performance Company for you or your student athlete training right here in Springfield where you get the chance to work with the best. Speaking of the best, Northwestern Mutual is the best in the area. Thanks to them for their sponsorship of the podcast. That's it for this week. Next week, I will be talking already about what big games we'll be covering in week one of the high school sports season. It's here. And I'm excited. I'll see you next week.